What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're you two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Tuesday, August 30th, and welcome to season three of First Down Rundown. It's been a it's been a long way coming, but after 64 episodes of season two, we are finally starting off season three because it is in fact a new football season. And I know Matt and I are absolutely elated because of that. Right now, my voice is a little bit weird because I am a little bit congested congested, and have been dealing with a uh, sickness that I don't know the origins of and I don't know what it is, but I've been dealing with that for the past couple of days. So please excuse my voice and please excuse maybe my more monotonous tone. I'm just trying not to uh, try not to voice crack and trying not to strain my voice too much so that's that matt how are you i'm good it's good to be back it has been i mean it's been i think almost a month it's been probably three weeks um and and there was kind of a reason for that right it was the last episode that we that we recorded was the end of our ncaa doomsday series which was a four-part podcast uh series was what it was um kind of outlining you know what happened or what happened recently with the ncaa college sports what we think the future of college sports is going to be now that there is name image and likeness right players can get paid for uh for their name image and likeness as well as kind of what we think the future is going to be in terms of paying college players for actually participating in the sporting events we talked about uh you know coaches and their contracts we talked about the tv deals that different conferences are, are are signing so there was a lot of work that went into that series and i think that was kind of the point of our big you know end to the summer was hey let's you know let's get this done we did a lot of work for it let's record all the episodes over a you know over a month-long period and then just kind of have that sit there for you guys to listen to and hopefully you did uh you know it's 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 about four hours total so it's a lot of it's a lot of listening to do and you know and that was again a couple weeks ago that we that we finished that and then now we're back obviously before the college football season week one starts this weekend and then obviously the nfl week one starts uh in about a week and a half well actually technically the first game is next thursday so it's really just a week and two days away um which is which is crazy how time is how time is flying past us uh but regardless that was kind of the the reason for our brief hiatus there. Um, And uh, like I said, too, you know, obviously we had content. Now we're going to be going back to two times a week, uh, you know, episodes every Tuesday and and Saturday. But if you, if you need more content, which all of us do in our lives, especially from first down rundown, definitely go listen to that uh, MCA doomsday series because we did put a lot of work into it. Uh, But we're here now to talk about football, which obviously is, is the best time of the year because everybody loves to talk about football. Um, And we're going to be focusing in on some fantasy football today. I'll let Hayden explain a little bit more about that. Yeah, exactly. I totally forgot to mention that today is our fantasy football episode, but yeah, today we're going to be going into first some strategies that Matt and I came up with heading into your fantasy drafts, you know, what do you want your plan to be? What do you want to be looking out for in your fantasy draft? Um, obviously, there's going to be some busts and, and uh, sleeper talk as well. So you guys will hear that after we give our strategies. But we first we kind of wanted to order this episode strategies first and then give our specific busts and uh, specific breakouts that we expect this season, because we want the strategies to kind of be the the focal point of this episode, because I imagine if you're listening to this, you've probably done a lot of your own research on fantasy this year and kind of the outlook on certain players uh, leading up to this season, because there have been, honestly, there has been so many free agency moves and 
trades and everything like that, that have really shaken up the field in terms of good players being on other teams. You know, we got Devontae Adams on the Raiders and like, you know, Allen Robinson now on the Rams, which he's probably going to be in the conversation of, of fantasy, which he hasn't really been in, the, in past years, or if he has been, he hasn't really played to expectations, I would say. So there's a lot of different factors that go into the players themselves this year, but also, you know, we just kind of want to go over some more general strategies of what we're looking for as we draft. I've already had two fantasy drafts so far, and I have another one this Thursday, which Matt is also a part of. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes, but yeah, I'm really excited to get this episode going. And without further ado, let's just get right into the strategies. So this one may be obvious. This is the first one that I have, but do not go QB until the seventh, eighth or ninth round. Now, this is an exception to leagues that really value QB. So, for example, the one that Madden and I are in on Thursday or that's drafting on Thursday, that league really values QBs in the sense that the QBs get six points for passing touchdowns instead of the standard four. And they also get an extra five points if they go for three, if they go for 300 passing yards or more in that game. So in that sense, QBs can score, I mean, easily like the, the better QBs can score, you know, 35 ish points per game, really, um, you know, if they're, if they're at the top of the, the fantasy list. So in that sense, QBs should be going early, you know, maybe even like first or second round for the elite QBs and then kind of the mid tier QBs go more towards like the fifth or sixth round, I would say. But yeah, that those are really the, the only leagues where QB should be going early. I would wait until the seventh, eighth or ninth rounds to get a QB if you're in a standard scoring league. And whenever you do, obviously always be aware of the rushing upside of QBs. You know, Jalen Hurts is one of those QBs that last year surprised everybody with how much he was scoring because of his rushing touchdowns and his rushing yards each game. You don't really think of Jalen Hurts as being one of the elite QBs in the NFL, which he might become one of those, hint, hint. But uh, I'm I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan, by the way. But yeah, I mean, when you think of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, you don't really think of Jalen Hurts. But because of his rushing upside, he's so valuable to fantasy. So just think, have that in mind while you're drafting. Obviously, you don't have to go by the whole seventh, eighth, or ninth round uh, QB trajectory, but just I, I would say if you're thinking about going for a QB early, just think about th- the effect that that has on the rest of the draft. If you go a QB, if you go Josh Allen in the third round, say, which I think is around his his ADP right now, if you go Josh Allen in the third round, you're skipping out on, you know, a possible wide receiver two or a possible running back two in that situation. So just be thinking about that. That's my first one. Matt, what do you think about that? I like it. Uh, I, I can kind of see either perspective, though. I think that it was it was actually probably I mean, we've been doing fantasy football for, you know, like 10 years now. And back then it was like you have to get the quarterbacks the fastest possible because, you know, there weren't too many of them, uh, but they were also kind of the, you know, the, the stars of the show. And that's who you relied on for all your points at for your points every week. But there hadn't been, you know, back then, too, there hadn't been this such a deep, you know, investigation with how, you know, the analytics of fantasy football work nowadays. And, and, you know, obviously PPR wasn't even a thing back then points per reception. uh, You know, so for those running backs and receivers that do get a lot of catches that didn't even really matter. Right. And so, and on top of that, there wasn't too much 
I guess, universality, I don't even know if that's a word, uh, you know, to, to, to explain how these players are going to be receiving their points, right? There, there wasn't, there wasn't, it wasn't, you know, okay, well, this is the decided way on how we're going to do this. So there's been a lot of kind of forms of how this has evolved over the years and, and to the point where now it really is one of those situations where there are so few, and I, and I think kind of, and I'm, you know, I completely glossed over the explanation of this. The reason why quarterbacks were before so heavily relied upon and, 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 you know, everybody went for them in the first pick to where now it's kind of almost the opposite where everybody's like, oh, well, you can get a quarterback whenever you want is because there are so few skilled, reliable, uh, you know, skilled position players, the running backs and receivers, there's so few of them that you can really, you know, we're going to get you a certain amount of points every single game, right? So those stud running backs, I mean, we, we see it in the NFL now, probably half of the teams are doing a running back by committee, which is essentially, you don't really have one guaranteed running back who's going to get all the volume. It's going to be two running backs, possibly three running backs, right? And so you're not going to draft a running back from one of those teams because you don't know, or well, you do know how much work they're going to get. And it's not as much as, you know, other guys who or other teams who have one guy who's going to be their guy who they're going to give the ball to every time, similar to receivers, right? Where the star receivers are the star receivers. Those guys are going to be open regardless of where they are on the field, regardless of what team they're playing on. Right. We think about the Devonte Adams of the world who, you know, for the last, however many years has just been the best receiver in the NFL. Now, obviously, right. He had Aaron Rodgers by his side and we're going to get to see this year, how that may differ with a different quarterback. But I think that, you know, either way, like if you go up against, you know, the team that is playing, you know, playing against you, they're going to put their number one cornerback on their, on your number one receiver. And it's really amazing to see that some of these receivers, it doesn't matter who's guarding them because they're going to get open regardless. So those are the types of players that you really need to get early nowadays. And that once that kind of, you know, that first wave of guys who, who are that skilled and, and are always going to be open and always going to be getting you fantasy points and also who aren't, you know, injury prone too much because that can also derail a season uh, for, for any fantasy football player. Once you kind of get past that, that wave of guys, it is a little tough to find those diamonds in the rough, those guys who are going to get you a ton, a ton of points or, or, you know, on a consistent basis. And so that's where you, you, you kind of see this evolution of, well, Hey, you know, the quarterbacks are the ones getting all the points. Yes. But if the average quarterback can get you about the same amount of points as your star quarterback can, you're going to have to make up those extra points elsewhere. And those extra points elsewhere is where we see the running backs and the receivers and those really, you know, sought after guys at the beginning of the draft start to really take priority, especially then too, because PPR became a thing points per reception. And before it was like, wow, you're weird because you're doing a PPR league, right? And then now it's almost to the point where PPR is the standard way to do, uh, you know, fantasy football drafts. And so that even adds another layer to some guys are going to be better in a PPR league. Some guys are going to be worse in a PPR league. And so that's, you know, you also have to think about that. But if you get an extra point for every single reception that a receiver or a running back makes, that changes the game. That makes running backs and receivers a lot more valuable. So, so that's kind of how... I guess I would explain the evolution of, of, you know, why you can wait to get a quarterback later on now. And so I think that, you know, a, you definitely want to get your stud running backs and receivers early and you can wait on a quarterback, but B you also have the, the, the fact that, you know, quarterbacks have different skill sets. And Hayden mentioned this a little bit is, is what's kind of come on recently is the running quarterback quarterbacks who can move quarterbacks who, who will run for either, you know, 
multi, a lot of yards per game and kind of rack up those yards, you know, per rush one point for every 10 rushing yards, but also quarterback running touchdowns, which if you're in a standard scoring league, passing touchdowns for quarterbacks is four points receiving rushing touchdowns for, for regular receivers and running backs are six points rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks are also six points. Right. And then they're the guys who are have, who have the ball in their hands, every single player, regardless of who else gets the ball. So if you want to have a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands all the time, and also has the good chance to get, you know, get you an extra six points by running in a touchdown, then it's more valuable to have a running quarterback. And we saw that recently when, you know, Kyler Murray, I think is a good example. I, I guess probably before last year, because he, it seemed like once he got his, he, we got injured and everything, he's been, he's been a little more squeamish when it comes to running the football. But prior to last year, he was a very sought after and almost one of the top picked quarterbacks in the league, despite the fact that he never really had too much production, right? You think about another running quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Well, you know, he came into the scene and in his second year, he won the NFL MVP, right? And his team was number one seed in the AFC. So it's like that guy had extreme success. And we can see that, yes, of course, he's going to get you points throwing the ball. He's also going to get you a lot of points running the ball. But Kyler Murray never really had that MVP level season. He never really had playoff success, playoff success, but still, I mean, he's always going to be picked in the top five just because you get that rushing upside. So that I think kind of is a game changer when you're talking about, and Hayden mentioned perfect example is Jalen Hurts, right? Who he doesn't really, and even Kyler Murray, I mean, he, he'll still throw the ball. He'll, he'll get you a 300 yard game, 400 yard game with, you know, a couple touchdowns added onto there, which is a huge passing performance. Jalen Hurts, at least so, so much as we've seen now, hasn't had those amazing passing seasons. Um, last year, I think he only threw for 18 touchdowns, right? Which is a lot less than the league average, even guys, you know, in the, you know, guys like, you know, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, who last year, you know, they were kind of among the average, they were throwing for close to 30 touchdowns, which almost double of what Jalen Hurts had. But Jalen Hurts is a top 10 fantasy football quarterback because he runs a lot. So you have to think about that as part of your strategy when you're drafting a quarterback timing wise when you're going to draft your quarterbacks it's all it, it is it is a big strategy but I think if you're going to go for a quarterback early you got to go for a quarterback that's going to be that's going to get you yards in the ground um or or obviously one of the absolute studs who are you know are going to get you you know 300 yards and three touchdowns a game a la like a Patrick Mahomes or you know or an Aaron Rodgers but like a Josh Allen right who is going to run the ball and obviously I mean he's probably the number one quarterback off the board on every you know on every draft he has the the throwing potential and the running potential and that's why he is so you know the the number one overall quarterback but that's my thing I think it you know if you're not getting a stud quarterback in you know those one of those four or five guys who are going to get you guaranteed like 30 points a game, you might as well wait, dude, because you got a lot of quarterbacks down the barrel that, you know, there's really not that much difference in the, in the amount of output, right? The fantasy fantasy points that you can consistently rely on them getting on a week to week basis. So that's my kind of synopsis on the, on the quarterbacks, where you're going to draft them. There's an argument, argument to be made that you go, that you should draft those quarterbacks early, but they have to be those stud quarterbacks because you also have to consider those stud running backs and receivers, right? That you want to also make sure that you're balancing out, uh, you know, with, with, if you're going to go for a quarterback, you got to balance out for the rest of your team too, because yeah, that's good. That's a lot of points that you'll be getting from that quarterback, but that's, that may be points that you're missing on those PPR wide receivers who could also get you a lot of points every week. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, I think Matt gave a, a very good rundown of, of kind of Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, more examples of guys that, right. Don't really, they haven't really had that uh, I guess, typical quarterback path in the NFL where, okay. Like, like Patrick Mahomes kind of has, you know, Patrick Mahomes, 
he's known for just throwing that deep ball and, and racking up all those passing yards in that way, making big plays and everything like that. Lamar Jackson, on the other hand, makes big plays on the ground and runs 50-yard touchdowns where he makes two Bengals players look silly and collide while spinning out of each other. You know, it's 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 different guys do things in different ways, and that's kind of how we how we can see our fantasy drafts develop in that way because, right, the quarterbacks that you expect to be or the quarterbacks that you think of being – these great passers aren't necessarily going first in the drafts. And that's why you should wait to, to kind of draft them later on. Now, the next kind of strategy slash tip that I'm going to go with is you, you need to have a rough outline of the positions you want to draft in order, right? So a lot of times when you, you can actually set it on ESPN. If you're, if you know, you're going to auto draft and if you know that you can't be present and actually manually draft, if you know, you're going to auto draft, then you can set your draft order um, by position. So you can say, you know, I want, I want to pick a running back first and then a running back second and then a wide receiver and then a tight end after that. Right. You can set that. If you know, you're going to auto draft, obviously that is not the ideal way. And that kind of takes all the fun out of it. But if you know, you can't make a draft, then you can do that. Um, so I would say go into your draft, even if you're drafting manually, go into your draft with kind of a, r- a rough outline of that, but don't get rattled if it doesn't go your way or if it goes haywire, because it will trust me, and it will most likely go haywire sooner rather than later in your draft. Um, I've had two drafts up until this point, and in both drafts, I've had guys that were stolen from me. You know that I planned out to pick two or three picks ahead, um, depending on my position in the draft and depending on how many people were in between me and my next pick. I would plan out who I was going to get next and things like that. But then they would get taken one or two picks before me, and I would be kind of out of out of luck in that position. Um, and that's why I I'm a, a very firm believer in having kind of backup picks. So you have a, one guy, one primary pick that you want for your next pick, and then you have a backup guy to go to if that next guy or if that primary pick gets picked before you. If both your primary and your secondary picks for your next pick are picked before you have your next pick, it's a lot of picks in one sentence, but. If you follow me, you get it. If that happens, then either the rest of the field in your league thinks just like you, or you're kind of just taking the first two guys off the, off the, you know, the spreadsheet or the next two guys off the board. And that's not really the right thing to do. That's not how we draft here. So I like going running back first, then wide receiver second, because I like to have one guy at each position that I know, like Matt said, that I know can produce for me that I know can have some kind of output each, you know, week in and week out that can give me a solid 12 to 15 points every single week. Um, Obviously, you know, on good weeks, they can give me 25 and then on bad weeks, they can maybe give me 10, but I know that they can produce for me week in and week out. Third pick, it's either wide receiver or running back, fourth pick wide receiver or running back. It kind of just depends on, on the, the flow of the draft so far. And then I have another, so the fifth pick would be, probably wide receiver running back again. And then six pick is tight end. And I have picks three through six highlighted because honestly, I I think that's where most drafts are made because that's where you get the guys that aren't like Matt said, they aren't kind of, they aren't bona fide studs, but those are guys like the Cooper cups of the world, right? Not many people were drafting Cooper cup in the first round. If anybody last year and look what he did, he tore it up and he, you know, he won the triple crown and he won a lot of people, he won a lot of people fantasy leagues and a lot of people, a lot of money um, from fantasy. So 
right. It, it's, you know, Cooper Cup is kind of the, the perfect example of a guy that was drafted probably in that three to round three to six range, maybe even later in some, in some drafts. And he became the guy who won a lot of people fantasy leagues. So that's why I have that, that rounds three through six highlighted because that's where you really need to focus in on who you're getting rounds one and two, you know, you're going to get a stud. If he doesn't turn out to, to be the stud that you expected, I had uh, Nick Chubb in all three of my leagues last year. I drafted him in the first or second round in all of them. And um, he turned out to not really be the running back I was looking for. And he turned out to not really produce as much as I was, I was expecting him to because Kareem Hunt took a lot of the workload in that offense last year and probably will again this year. He was looking in the trade talks um, and apparently he wanted a trade earlier in the summer, but he never really got it. So He's still with the, with the Browns this year, but the Browns offense is, is, I mean, it's just kind of a mess right now. You know, they thought they had their, their star quarterback and they don't until week 13 now. So, right. There's going to be guys that, um, you know, that you draft early in, in those first and second rounds that you think are going to be studs, but they turned out not to be, maybe they get injured like Chris McCaffrey and Saquon always do, but right. Those rounds three to six are, are really where you need to be looking for those important picks. And that's really those, those crucial picks that I think you need to have. Now I will say that uh, I have tight end at number six or at round six. I will say that tight end is also kind of one of those positions. It's, it's like quarterback where you, you're going to see a couple tight ends like Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews go in the first and second round. I think, I mean, I've, I've seen Travis Kelsey go in the first round, I think in both my drafts so far. And in a PPR league, he's super valuable because he gets, I mean, he's, he's averaging like seven or eight catches per game, right? So that's seven or eight free points every week, but you're going to have also those, you know, kind of sort of mid tier, but also kind of high upside guys like Dalton Schultz. You're probably not going to see those guys go until at least round six, right? So you've got a huge disparity between Travis Kelsey and, Mark Andrews going in the first and second rounds and then Dalton Schultz going possibly in the sixth or seventh round, right? You've, you see a huge disparity between those, between those guys. That's just kind of for you to figure out if you really want to go tight end in those first two rounds. Personally, I wouldn't Um, maybe unless Travis Kelsey was the for sure best pick at my, at my pick, which I haven't had to make, you know, have that battle in my head yet. And I, hope I don't have to have that battle because I don't really want to draft a tight end in the first round. But if you have an opportunity to, and if, if, if it's the best opportunity for you at that point, do it. But I'm also kind of a firm believer in, okay, there's going to be other tight ends out, out there that are going to get you 10 points a game, right. In a PPR. And it's, it's going to be okay. You know, those guys like Dalton Schultz, um, Cameron, uh, TJ Hawkinson, he's kind of like on the cusp of that elite tier slash mid tier, just because he has Jared Goff throwing him the ball, but right. I just got TJ Hawkinson in one of my leagues and I'm happy with it because I got him in probably the seventh round ish. And he's going to give me a, a solid, you know, 10 to 12 points each week, I believe. So, um, so that's, that's kind of where, uh, where I wanted this third point to go was having a rough outline, but not necessarily sticking to that outline for sure, because you know it's going to go haywire and you kind of just have to adapt based on the everything that's happening in your draft already. 
I mean, I I think that's a pretty good strategy. I think like if you lay if you lay it out prior to and Hayden, I mean Hayden emphasized this, and I I'm gonna emphasize it again because I think it's super important. If you if you lay out what positions you're going to go for in each round, it helps infinitely. Like yeah. like your draft will you you'll feel more confident about your draft. You'll be more organized. You'll have a good feeling about, you know, the picks that you're making. You'll also kind of then realize, you know, what maybe what the what 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 the draft is looking like based on the picks that you're making, based on the picks that everybody else is making. And you can make changes if you absolutely need to, but I just feel like whenever I go into a draft and I don't have a plan or I don't know who's going to, you know, who I'm going to get or you know, what position type I'm going to get in each round or whatever, I just end up always just seeing what other people pick. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to do that too. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. Let me, I need to just sort by the best available player. And then you just end up just completely screwing yourself over. Right. Because that just ends up being a, you know, a, a, a dud pick or, or, you know, a few picks in a row where you're, you're picking teams or players on the, you know, opposite bye weeks or, or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so I think that that's, that's a good plan. And I think, you know, right. When Hayden walked through how, he sees fit in terms of justifying why those position types are supposed to be picked or, you know, why he likes it. But I, I agree uh, at the times that they are, because you you do want to balance out what you're getting, but you also want to be able to find the valuable picks within the, the, you know, the way and the flow that the draft is going. And especially too, you know, there's another point I wanted to point out too, because if you're doing an offline draft where it's in person and you're, you know, you got the big draft board and everybody's putting their stickers up and stuff that I think those are the fu- the most fun drafts, by the way, if, if you can get in one, do it. Um, it's just tough to, you know, with everybody's schedules these days and everything, it, it's tough to make that happen. But anyway, um, if you're doing an online draft, which I feel like, you know, probably 80% of, of, you know, fantasy football drafts are online at this point. Anyway, you only have, in most cases, I think if they don't, you know, if the, if the commissioner doesn't like change around the strategy or the, you know, the, the draft settings or whatever, you only have a minute to make your pick or like, a you know, maybe just over a little over a minute. And that's not a lot of time, right? I mean, if you're in person, you can just goof around. It'll be like, oh, you know, people are talking, people are yelling and you're kind of, you kind of over there got to couple minutes to to you know break down who's been picked so far who you're thinking gonna go who you think you're gonna go after but if you're on if you're doing an online draft like forget about all that like you got to make your pick or else it's going to be picked for you you know and we and that's that's the worst thing to to and to end up with so so i think having that that position layout is is what makes it easier too to to, to, you know, look at how the draft is going, understand the flow of it, but then kind of, you know, analyze your picks and then what you want to do next time. That way, as soon as you pick one player, you're already gunning for that next player that you're going to pick in a position type that you've already outlined prior to the draft. And then two, you can begin to look at that position type, uh, you know, before your pick is even up, right? You got a couple minutes before your next pick. Well, usually yeah, probably like 10 uh, or 15 minutes before your next pick. But there's players going every other minute after that, right? So if you if your running back is the next pick, you go to the running backs. Well, there's probably potentially going to be five running backs off the board by the time the pick gets back to you. And, and so who knows what that's going to look like the next time. Whereas if you don't have a plan to go for a running back the next pick, you're just watching guys fly off the board regardless, and you're on the top overall picks, and you don't see any running backs within that, like, you know, that, like, 
10 or 20 people that are, that are, you know, the players that are showing up as like the best available and you don't see a running back. Well, you know, you might just pick a random wide receiver and that's not what the best strategy would have been for your, for your team based on your position and everything else. Right. So it is super important to be, to go into your draft, um, you know, with, with a plan and another byproduct, and this is kind of my next strategy, but also is, is a byproduct of Hayden's is, you got to have obviously right with, with an outline, it's important because one of the, one of the consequences of not having an outline um, is that you'll end up stacking your bye weeks which is a really important concept that I think that, you know, obviously it's, it's pretty, it's pretty basic. Um, but at the same time, you want to, you want to stack your bye weeks accordingly, right? Which is either because obviously you can't start every play, you can't start your players when they're on their bye week. And so, there's two options for this really, which is kind of, you know, there's original option, which is, you know, what most people go with. And then there's kind of another option, which is pretty fun. And, and that's actually the, the one that I usually go with. The first option is spread out your bye week such that, you know, you pick a player who has a bye week on week eight, right? Your next player, make sure that they don't have the bye week on week eight, right? You pick another bye week, week 10. Okay. Your next pick Pick a player that doesn't have a bye week on week eight or week ten, right? And then you kind of go down the line. You you, you get the point. You're 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 spreading out your bye week such that one player, and, and again, these are probably going to be your starters on most weeks out of the NFL season. One player's on a bye week. That's okay. You got the rest of your good players, your solid players that you draft at the beginning of your draft, and you can make up for that one person that's on that bye week and start one of your bench players, right? That I mean that's what we all do. The other side of this coin, which is the really fun side, and the one that I probably end up doing a lot, um, whether I <laughs> whether I play, sometimes I plan it out and sometimes I don't, and it just ends up being this way anyway, is to stack your bye weeks completely so that you have all the players who have the same bye week, and essentially you just forfeit that one week. Now, there's obviously positives and negatives to, to doing this strategy, but if you think about it, you know, right. Let's say that you, you have, you know, you have a Derrick Henry, right. And, and his bye week is whatever. I don't know what his bye week is. Let's just say, for example, it's, it's, you know, it's week 11 is a bye week. Right. And you have all the other, the rest of your players are on different bye weeks. And so we get to week 11 and you can't start Derrick Henry because he doesn't have his, or he's, he's on his bye week. Right. And then you have to end up starting Well, you're like, Oh my gosh, dude, I mean, I have my other running back. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's Najee Harris. I'm, I'm looking good for him. I'm excited to start him, but I have nobody else. I mean, who else am I going to start? And then you're, you know, you're looking down the list and you're like, Oh my God, I end up with Ronald Jones from Kansas city. What are we doing here? And then you're like, all right, well, I got to start Ronald Jones and he gets like 0.8 points. <laughs> He has one rush for eight or two, like six rushes for eight yards. And Patrick Mahomes go off for like 400 yards and five touchdowns. And Ronald Jones sucks that week. Who's, who are you replacing Ronald Jones with? You're replacing Derrick Henry, bro. And that guy's going to get you like 25 points a game. And so that could be an entire, like just in that microcosm of that one player on that bye week, you could lose an entire fantasy week. Uh, just because of, you know, that one player being on the bye week. And so that happened to me too many times. And I was like, you know what, forget this. I'm just going to stack my bye weeks such that I know I'm probably going to lose this week because all my players, my best players are on their bye week. But so what? There's a good chance that, you know, that Derrick Henry situation where he's on the bye week one time, that could also happen if you have Josh Allen on your team and he's your best quarterback and you don't start him one week and, you don't, you know, you get Derrick Henry as your second pick. Wow, that's a that's a crazy one-two combo. But if you don't have both of those stud players for one for two weeks out of the year because they have different bye weeks, that could potentially be two losses that you're suffering. Whereas if you just stock your bye weeks and you have every player's on bye week, you know, week nine, 
well, that's fine, right? You can you can just forfeit that week. You take the loss. That's totally fine. But you have a best. You're 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 putting your best foot forward. You're putting your best players in there in your starting lineup for that one. You know, every other week, and then that one week, you know, you'll be able to pick up some wire, you know, um, some waiver wire guys. So, um, so that's that's an interesting kind of way to break down the strategy regarding bye weeks. Again, it's kind of just either way, but I would say that you got to go kind of all in either way, right? It's, it's, it's important to either spread out your bye week such that you have very, very few of this, of the players of your players who have the same bye week or all of them all together, right? As, or as many as you can get. I think it's, it's probably worse to have the worst possible position you want to be in is to have like two of your starters on bye week six, and then two, three of your starters are have a bye week 12. Cause then you're just limiting your opportunities for winning those weeks when you're not going to be playing your best guys. Right. So, so that's my advice when it comes to, to stacking your bye weeks it's something to pay attention to. It's not, obviously it's not, uh, you know, going to completely derail anything, your entire draft. And I think that's why it was more important. I think for Hayden to get his, you know, the, the layout of the outline of what positions you're going to be drafting in what rounds that's probably, you know, paramount to, to, to paying attention to your bye weeks. But I think that if you do go in with a lock, fo- you know, locked in focused uh, mindset of, Hey, I'm going to draft this position type on this exact pick. And then, you know, you keep going through that and you don't pay attention to your bye weeks. Sometimes that can end up biting you in the butt a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree. And and I like the way that Matt explained it. And I would add that, you know, kind of just something that I guess he didn't say, but he, he probably kind of alluded to it with with some of what he said was that I think the only time you should really look at bye weeks and really, re- well, in my opinion, this is kind of how I draft and I draft a little bit different than Matt does. I don't really try to stack my bye weeks. If I can, then I do. But again, it's it's one of those things that you don't want to get in the way of you drafting the best player available or the best player that you think is available. Right. So the only reason that I would really look at a buy, we can really consider it a lot is when I'm kind of between two players and I really can't decipher who's going to be better for me. Right. Especially if they're at the same position, it doesn't like, I'm, I'm not really, you know, if, if there's so many things that are similar about those, uh, about those players, the only thing that defers is their bye week, and and that's kind of what I go by. Now, again, Matt brought up a really good point of of being really conscious of bye weeks, and I mean that that has I bet that has worked out for people in the past where they are super conscious about bye weeks. But um, but yeah, again, I'm I'm not I don't think I'm as conscious about bye weeks that um, I mean, or as Matt is, but I, I guess you know that that that's worked out for him in the past. So um, definitely take you know keep that in mind. Now. The last tip that I'm going to give is probably the most controversial one out of out of all of these. And I know that Matt's probably going to he's probably going to disagree with me here because I've heard him. I've actually heard him say in the past that he doesn't think that defenses are important to drafts. He actually thinks that picking them up on the waiver wire uh, week to week is, is the best thing is the best way to go, depending on who they're playing, which I can see. But I also think that getting a top tier defense is more important than you might think it is. And I'm, by top tier defense, I mean like top five. Okay. Top again, top tier, it means top, top tier. If the top five defenses are gone by the time you even click on defense in the drop down menu of, of by position in your draft, don't worry about it because the top five defenses are already gone. Those kind of middle tier defenses, they're not going to be, you shouldn't draft them instead of drafting another position on your team that you need. Right. So what I'm thinking here is if you've gone, let's, I mean, I I think the average 
the ADP of, of a defense right now is probably somewhere in the 12th or 13th round. That's what I'm thinking. If you're, well, if your draft has 16 rounds, that's what I'm going by. And if it's PPR, usually defenses are going in probably the 12th or 13th rounds, right? Now, I'm saying if you have, say, four, let's just say four receivers, four running backs, and a quarterback already, right? You can go defense in the 10th round. Actually, okay, so tight end. So I'll throw in a tight end in there. Okay, so that's 10 rounds you've been through. 11th round, you can draft a defense. I think that's pretty beneficial to do so. Again, if there's not really, like if a lot of people are going defense early and you kind of have just been either not paying attention or you're just kind of taken by storm by it and you don't really know what to do and the top three defenses are taken and you're kind of deciding whether or not you should go with the, you know, the Packers defense or whether you should go with Robert Woods and you really need a guy that's going to, and you, you know, your flex position is kind of iffy and you need a guy that you can rely on to put in your flex position and be confident in, I'd say go with Robert Woods in that, in that situation, right? Because Packers defense, which they're really good. They're going to be on the field a lot with that offense. I think because that Packers offense isn't looking to uh, isn't looking too good now without Devonte Adams. And I think David Bakhtiari is still out for, whatever reason. So, right. Their offense isn't, you know, isn't looking the best. And so their defense is going to be on the field a lot. You got to think about those things. Right. But I do think that, right. Drafting a defense like the bills. Now you guys might be saying right now, well, the bills have one of the hardest schedules this year. That's also a factor to think about. That's also something that Matt brought up in, in this past tip about, um, you know, about bi-week stacking and everything like that. You got to think about strength of schedule and everything like that. I think for defenses that isn't, really that much of a problem because if you have a great defense and you, you know, like defense is, is, is a third of the game, right? I would say it's probably more, it's probably more like 45% um, or, you know, 40%, but because special teams isn't that big of a deal, but, um, but right. Like defense is a huge part of the game. So the good defenses are going to be able to defend against good offenses. Right. It, I mean, that's just, that's just how it works. So um yeah, I, I think that going a going with a top tier defense, um, you know, earlier than even a QB, if, if QBs are going late and defenses are some, you know, somehow going early, get that defense before a QB. Because I think that, um, you know, you start out with 10 points with a defense or even 15 points in some leagues. I know that that's the way it is for the league that we're drafting on Thursday for. A lot of times defense is right. If, if they're not allowing a lot of touchdowns, even if they're not getting a lot of interceptions or a lot of fumbles, if they don't allow a lot of points, they're going to score eight points. Right. Um, and that's, you know, eight more points than you would be getting if you draft or if you pick up the giants defense when they're playing, you know, the jets and somehow the jets just go off on them and you're like, Oh, dang it. I, you know, I'm screwed now. They have negative two points. Right. So I think that, um, you know, drafting a good defense that doesn't let a lot of points up again, turnovers, they matter, but not really. I think that drafting a, lot, a defense that can stop teams from scoring against them and that, you know, that are, usually in low scoring games, a defense that I love drafting is the Steelers. I think the Steelers are a perfect example of a defense that is, that has good players on it. They have a great squad, but they also don't let up a lot of points. The AFC North is notorious for having games that are like 13 to 14, right? They're not letting up a lot of points. They might not be getting a lot of turnovers. It's just kind of a stalemate of a game, but your defense is getting a lot of points because they've, they've only let up, you know, 13 points and they probably have, an interception or a fumble recovery thrown in there. So they're getting, 
eight to 10 points in that game. So just be thinking about that. I do like defenses a lot. I know Matt doesn't really like defenses. So Matt, go ahead and roast me. Not only do I not like defenses, I don't even draft defenses in any league that I'm in ever, every season. It's, it is so far from important that like now, okay. The only exception I will make is, is like Hayden said, if there is a absolutely dominant defense that, you know, will be, you know, holding their opponents to absolutely no yards or no anything and in very, you know, low scoring games, but that's hard to predict, right? I mean, you know, sometimes we have defenses that are just that we know will be crazy and, and will get you points every single week and defensive touchdowns all that. But at the end of the day, like fantasy points from defenses are extremely volatile. Like you will have a day where a defense scores 30 points because they have a punt return for a touchdown and a fumble recovery, you know, in the end zone when the, when the, the offensive team or the team is on offense is backed up with a two yard line. The quarterback goes back for to pass and you, you, right, he fumbles and he take touchdown in the end zone. That's, that's volatile. That's not going to happen every, you can't rely on that to happen all the time. So where my thing is, is well, where I lean is like, how about you go with the thing that's not as volatile. And for me, the thing that's not as volatile is offenses that are bad or really teams in the NFL that are bad. We know who those teams are and we can rely on them to consistently be bad a lot more than we can rely on defenses to consistently score touchdowns. That's like percentage wise for me, that makes the most sense. So what I do is I, like I said, I literally don't draft a defense or a kicker. I actually don't draft either because you can usually end up getting one or the other for very cheap on the waiver wire based on who they're playing that week. It, it just makes sense. Right? So what I do is I don't draft a defense. I don't draft a kicker. And then each week I just pick up a defense, whatever defense is left on the waiver wire playing the worst offense. Cause usually there's enough bad teams in the NFL to where there's going to be a team that's okay. That has an, an all right defense. That's playing one of these terrible, terrible offensive teams. And they're going to end up scoring a lot of points for against them. Right. I mean, you think about like, Hayden mentioned it, like the Jets are going to be horrible this year. The Giants, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Panthers, the, the Falcons, these teams are going to be really bad this year and they're not going to score a lot of points and they don't have the offensive firepower to actually come back. And like, if they do get blown out, end up scoring a ton of points on, on the opposing team. So that's kind of my strategy when it comes to defenses and, you know, special teams and everything with regarding the, the whole fantasy sphere with that type of stuff. Um, kickers, I would say are sometimes more valuable because kickers are just good. Right. And so like, if you get a good kicker, who's solid, like that's actually a good help to your team. And that's like, you know, that's an extra 10 points per week that you, again, you can rely on and be consistent about kickers inside domes, right? Kickers that play for, you know, for Arizona, New Orleans, Indianapolis, Minnesota, these teams that are in domes don't have to deal with wind and weather and all this stuff. But then there are kickers like, like Justin Tucker, like uh, Harrison Butker, who are guys who are like, hey, you're gonna, we need a 60-yarder in 15-mile-an-hour winds going northwest to the face on the opposite side of the field. He's like, all right, I got you. And he just nails it, right? Like those types of kickers, you got to get those. Um, but again, you're, you're wasting a high draft pick on something that's like not really going to get you that many points extra per week. I don't know. Kickers are a little bit more up in the air, but defenses. Yeah, you can have it, man. I'm just going to take the defense that's available on the waiver wire. That's playing the worst offense that week. And it usually ends up being okay. Sure. It may not be as good as, you know, the Steelers defense on a week to week basis for getting you an average of, you know, 12 points, 
the average that, you know, a defense against a really bad offense is for maybe 10 points. I'm more, I'm totally willing to give up those two points per week to get a better player in the draft at a high draft position, because I think that'll be worth it over the course of the season. So that's, I think a good example, you know, something that me and Hayden completely disagree on that. You can kind of just choose whichever side you think is better or that you fit, you know, with more um, and, and then just kind of go through that and see how it works. I think both of us have been successful in the past with each of these strategies too. So it's not really limited to, to, you know, whatever you end up doing um, and defenses overall, again, like Hayden said, it's, it's not, in terms of like your overall fantasy points, it's not that much, you know, on a week to week basis. So it's not, it's not a huge deal at the end. Like it's not going to win you or lose you a league, but I mean, you know, right. The more that people are fantasy focusing on fantasy football these days, the more that you want to have the advantage. And, and, you know, I think, I think defenses and kickers are a really good example of something that you can kind of gain an advantage on now, right. Whichever strategy you end up choosing, it kind of works for you. Maybe it doesn't, it's it's yet to be seen, but those are our opinions on. And I think that that you can at least kind of take something from either of what we said there. So there we go. That was, I think our, you know, a good list of our strategies for the fantasy football, uh, you know, just in general for this upcoming season. Um, And now we're going to go into uh, individual players. So we're going to do one category of players that we think will be busts for this upcoming year. And then we're going to do players that we think are going to be breakouts. Uh, We're also going to maybe include some sleepers in there. And so we're going to do three players each, one quarterback, one receiver, and one running back that we think are going to be a bust. And then one quarterback, one running back, one uh, one wide receiver that we think are going to be a breakout uh, or a sleepers. So Hayden, you can go ahead for your first bust and give me a wide receiver that you think is going to be a bust this year. All right, my wide receiver bust this year is going to be DJ Moore. Now, if you guys are familiar with the beginning of the season last year, I think DJ Moore led the league in fantasy points for, I don't know, the first, I'd say like the first three, four games, and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, DJ Moore, he's crazy, right? He's got Sam Darnold at quarterback. Sam Darnold is not renowned as, you know, one of the good, better quarterbacks in the league. And he's not even a starter anymore because Baker Mayfield is and now in Carolina. But right, DJ Moore is having a, a heck of a season or beginning of the season last year. And then he kind of went downhill. I don't even know if he I can't remember if he got hurt or what happened to. Him. I think he kind of just stopped really producing that much. But um, yeah, he kind of went downhill. And I don't expect him to have near that kind of season this year. Again, he's being I think I'm kind of basing this off of where he's being drafted as his ADP. I don't, I don't have it pulled up right now, so I don't know, but based on what's been happening in my drafts, he's probably, I mean, DJ Moore, he's probably been drafted in like the third, maybe fourth round. I don't think he's that valuable. He is the, the number one receiver in Carolina. They also got Robbie Anderson. I forget who their wide receiver three is. They got Christian McCaffrey. Who's a huge part of that passing game, right? So he's taking a lot of targets away from DJ Moore. So if you're in a PPR league, Yes, DJ Moore might produce some yards and some touchdowns, but I don't know if he's going to be producing as much volume as you'd like to see or as many targets as you as you'd like to see. Again, Baker Mayfield is now the quarterback in that system. Do I trust him a lot more than than Sam Darnold or uh yeah, Sam Darnold? No, I don't <laughs> because he's Baker Mayfield and he didn't really produce in Cleveland. He's been I mean, he's been pretty good in preseason so far, but yeah, I mean, he's strutting his stuff against third stringers. Come on. Well, I mean, what do you expect? He's going to be right. I mean, he's had starting experience in the NFL for a couple of years. He's going to be good against the guys that are not able to start in the NFL. Right. So I think that you're kind of seeing some inflated stats in preseason from Baker Mayfield. I don't think that he's going to have that same success against the 
great defenses of the league. Carolina, I forget who their first game is, but I think they're it's against they're Cleveland. Playing. Baker has a revenge spot oh, against his right. former team. Right. And the Cleveland defense is it's pretty good, I'd say. With Miles Garrett coming at you, you're probably I mean, he he probably went up against Miles Garrett quite a few times in, in practice over in Cleveland, but I don't think that um, I don't think that DJ Moore is gonna gonna produce a lot because of the lack of targets and because of who's throwing to him. So there you go. Yeah, I I I don't know. It's tough. I think Caden's got a good point there. I think it just is gonna depend on the transition between what Sam Darnold was able to do for this office versus Baker Baker Mayfield. I think we can all agree that Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback. Now he did have a lot of weapons in Cleveland and. I feel like they kind of always ended up underwhelming, right? It, it was Jarvis Landry. It was Odo Beckham. It was, you know, all these, all these guys. And it was kind of just like, hey, never really, you never really got there right now. They didn't have a good running attack in Cleveland. So it was kind of, you know, a little bit of a moot point there, but um, I think DJ Moore is going to be a little bit, he's, he's, I think he's going to be okay because I, I do think that he's still going to get that target share, right? So he's going to get a lot of passes thrown to him. Hayden mentioned they have other receivers. They have Christian McCaffrey. I get that, but he's a proven receiver and he has good skills. So I, I don't know. I think he could be, I think he could be good, but I can also definitely see the case for him being a bust. My bust for the wide receiver position, DK Metcalf. Yeah. I mean, this is not a DK Metcalf hate session because I love that guy. I think I've had him on my fantasy team, like every single, every single yeah. year since he, you know, went crazy um, in that, in that, in that season a couple of years ago. And he just, I mean, he is a very good receiver and he, and he goes up and he's a physical specimen and he catches the balls and he gets a lot of touchdowns and stuff like that. But dude, it is, I mean, you want to talk about a drop off from, or I guess an improvement technically from, um, from Sam Darnold to Baker Mayfield. Let's talk about a drop off from Russell Wilson to whoever the heck is going to be the quarterback in Seattle this year. People are saying it's Geo Smith. What? Either way, if it's Geno Smith, or if it's um if it's Drew Locke, who cares? Because I can guarantee you that either of those quarterbacks are gonna be throwing the ball to the defense more than they're gonna be throwing the ball to DK Metcalf. So this is a complete fade of the situation, the quarterback play, and everything going on uh, in Seattle. I mean, I mean they're projected to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. I agree with that and it's just because of the quarterback situation, they're just not going to have continuity. They're not going to have a good you know, person who's able to throw the ball to their own players playing in, at quarterback. And so I think DK Metcalf is really going to struggle as a result of that. And, and it's, a, and it's a shame too, because Seattle has a good receiving core. I mean, Tyler Rocket is like one of the most underrated wide receivers in the entire NFL. And same thing for him, like his, his numbers, his, his fantasy points, everything is just going to completely, you know, tank because I don't think they're going to be able to get the ball to them enough for it to be considered a, you know, a, an on par year with, with, with what they've been doing uh, in past years. So definitely give me DK more DK Metcalf to be uh, significantly decreased in his fantasy production this year. Man, I don't know why you're uh, why you're hating on my man, Geno Smith, because there was one game last year where it was the game that Russell Wilson got hurt at first. And then I think it was like his thumb or whatever. And Geno Smith came in late game situation. I think it might've even been over time or something like that. And uh and he threw like this absolute dime. I think it was the DK Metcalf too. And he threw like, it was just, it was like the second play in the game. And he threw this like 30 yard touchdown go ball to, to DK Metcalf. And he, he turned out to be a score. And he like, <laughs> he was sitting back there like surprised at, at himself for throwing that. But, uh, but not, yeah, I mean, on a consistent basis, you're not going to really have much production from Geno Smith. So 
yeah, I, I, you can't really argue with that DK Metcalf pick for, for, for the busts here. But moving on to running backs, a running back that I think will bust this year is Javante Williams. Now, Javante Williams, he didn't really have the best season last year. I don't, again, I don't, you know, I don't have these like ADPs and, and stats from, from last year up right now. But I mean, a lot of people are drafting him pretty early. I think he, he's probably in, in the top 10 running backs for this year, which is pretty understandable. Understandable, but he's also got a pretty good counterpart, Melvin Gordon, who has proven himself in the league and who's honestly a veteran at this point. And Melvin Gordon sitting right, you know, right next to him in the depth in the depth chart. In my opinion, Melvin Gordon, I mean, Javante Williams, he's he's a young guy and he still has time to prove himself. But I think in this kind of offense, especially with Russell Wilson coming in, he's a probably not going to get as many touches because they're more they're more likely to pass the ball with Russell Wilson in the backfield. And also, with Melvin Gordon taking a lot of his production last year, I think it's going to happen. The same thing is going to happen this year. I don't know why people are drafting Javante Williams so early. I don't know why he's ranked so high and why Melvin Gordon's ranked so low. Because Melvin Gordon, if Javante Williams is in the top 10, Melvin Gordon has to be somewhere down in like the 20s, right? In terms of running backs, I think he probably is. So, so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm saying Javante Williams here. I just think that the disparity between where these two running backs are being drafted on the same, you know, and they're on the same team. I think it's kind of unfair. I think Melvin Gordon is a really good running back. Yes. He's getting old. And as everybody says for running backs, you know, every year they get a year older and the running back shelf life is not the best, but right now, I mean, Melvin Gordon doesn't look like he's really slowing down at all. So I wouldn't draft Javante Williams too high. Um, I would take, I would go another route with running back if, if you can at that position in the draft so yeah yeah i'm gonna agree with you here um he did have i think he had like 900 like 950 something yards i think last season so he almost got a thousand but i think melvin gordon did have over a thousand so it was like one of those things where it was a running back by committee and drew lock was leading the offense and you guys just heard what i think it drew lock so it was honestly surprising how well both of these running backs did in that system last year but i think hayden nailed it i mean you have the combination of a a true running back by committee. I mean, both these running backs are really good. They're just going to basically equally split half of the work. Um, On top of that, like I mentioned, you don't have Drew Locke there anymore. And so they're going to be throwing the ball a little bit more because a trade for, you know, if you're going from Drew Locke to Russell Wilson, I would want to throw the ball 100% more of the time. Uh, so you're going to get a little bit more or a little bit less uh, volume of rushes there. Uh, even, you know, potential for rushing touchdowns, all that stuff. So I, I do agree with with that take there, Hayden. My running back is going to be a little bit of a hot take. It's going to be Austin Eckler. Now, one of my guys, I mean, seriously, I have like been an advocate for Austin Eckler for years now because I knew the skill and the talent that he had and it's finally showing through now that Justin Herbert is there and he's really lighting that offense up he is a bulldozer um, you know on the running end he just runs through people and never goes to the ground and he's probably probably I would say maybe behind Christian McCaffrey the best pass catching running back in the entire league right so this guy is just I mean he, he can do everything and he racked I think he was probably the second I think he was the second best, like, or had the second most fantasy points of all running backs last year. And it's great to finally see him at the top of the running back order when it comes to, you know, ADP and everything when it comes to drafting running backs. But there's two things working against Austin Eckler this year. The first is injury concern, which is always a concern with him. I think last year he played like 
16 games, like 16 out of the 17 games, which is the most he's played. Like he, and he, I think he, like in his entire career, he's never played more than 12 games uh, previous to that. And so he had a great season last year and he was the second best, you know, fantasy football running back because he wasn't hurt but he just hasn't proven that he's not able to, or that he's really not able to play as much as he has, uh, you know, last year in previous years. Now that could be completely turned around. Who knows? He, you know, he, he could, he could not be hurt and, and play the entire season. Justin Herbert gets another year under his belt and, and they're, and they're off of the races, but you always have the injury concern with running backs who have a proven history of injuries in the past. And the second reason is Isaiah Spiller. A name that not many people know. He's a rookie out of Texas A&M. He had he was a great running back for Texas A&M, uh, and he was drafted, or actually the Chargers drafted him um, this year. I think with their first pick, maybe their no, I think first pick they went offensive line. Second pick, I think. Um, and and apparently the 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 stories at a camp are that this guy is legit. He is amazing to the point where like. Josh Neckler is one of the best running backs in the league, and they're like, yeah, this guy's going to split carries with 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 Isaiah Spiller. So. He's a really great running back. Again, obviously Austin Neckler is going to be the star there and he's going to get the bulk, the, the boatload of the work. But don't don't be surprised if Isaiah Spiller comes out and, and, and is, you know, and is getting a lot of work too. And that takes away from Austin Eckler's performance. And then too, right, if Austin Eckler goes down, Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller is going to step up right into his role and Basically, I think they're very actually very, very comparable running backs. I think they're very similar in the skill sets they have. And so I would say if Austin Eckler goes down, Isaiah Spiller steps right in and doesn't miss a beat. And that could really, you know, that could really tank uh, Austin Eckler's fantasy production for this year. So I think he's definitely going to be a great option if he doesn't get hurt. Um, but I do think that there's reasons to be a little skeptical about uh, Austin Eckler as, as a top, you know, top three running back for this upcoming fantasy football season. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That kind of separates Austin Eckler apart from the pack of those injury-prone guys, you know, Saquon Barkley and and Christian McCaffrey, who are injury-prone, so is Austin Eckler. But now you've got that added factor of, okay, well, Isaiah Spiller could take a lot of those touches away from Austin Eckler. That kind of furthers him even more away from the from the pack of, you know, those great pass catchers, Christian McCaffrey. And even, you know, Jonathan Taylor at this point is is kind of becoming a – a known pass catcher as well. So yeah, I think we'll, uh, I think we'll see Austin Eckler kind of regress a little bit. I'm, I'm also not really a big fan of drafting Austin Eckler. If I have a guy like if I'm in a PPR and I've got a, a guy like Cooper cup or one of those other receivers, I'm probably going to take those, one of those receivers first over Austin Eckler just because yeah, he's, he's got a little bit of risk added with him. So that was good there. My QB that I think is going to be a bust is probably not really a surprise to, to some of you, but that's, that's Dak Prescott. I don't think that, well, I've never really been a big fan of Dak Prescott, especially in fantasy. Well, I, th- I think he's a great guy, you know, off the field and, and he stands for a lot and, you know, he has a, the media is pretty close with his personal life and he kind of embraces that, which, yeah, that's a whole, whole different thing. But fantasy wise, I don't really trust Dak Prescott, believe it or not. Dak Prescott was ranked uh, seventh. He finished seventh among QBs last year. You know, so in total, he had the seventh ranked season or best season in terms of total points, total fantasy points over the year. And that that means that he finished in front of Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray in succession. So, right. He finished in front of three, you know, very good quarterbacks that we would probably rank ahead of him. But he finished in front of those guys last year. I don't think he's going to do that again. 
he's just, I don't know. I mean, he, he lost Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's in Cleveland now. He's got CeeDee Lamb. I think CeeDee Lamb's going to have a great season, but that's that's different, right? You know, if if we're expecting one receiver to have a good season, that doesn't mean that the quarterback's going to have a good season. I just think CeeDee Lamb's going to get a huge amount of targets. Like, I mean, he's going to get probably like 50% of their targets there. So, yeah, so I see CeeDee Lamb having, having a great season, but I don't really see Dak Prescott having a great season. I don't think that you should pick him up. Obviously, if you're in the position to go for him, but I would take, you know, I, I would even take a guy like, I don't know, Derek Carr over him, which that's kind of hinting to um, what I'm going to talk about in a, in a few minutes. But right, I'm going to take some other guys that are ranked below him before Dak Prescott, just because I don't see him really producing. I think that Cowboys offense is just kind of a mess at this point. So that's where I'm going with my QB pick. I like that. I mean, you said all the reasons. I think Amari Cooper is going to be a big drop down for this team. The offense is still going to be really good, um, but they also have a, a, a monster, a two-headed monster at running back. You got Ezekiel Elliott and you got Tony Pollard, who are both really good running backs. So um, I think they may start to focus on the run a little bit more this season, uh, and, and Dak will probably suffer as a result of that. My bust quarterback, fantasy bust quarterback, however you want to call it, this year is going to be Kyler Murray. I mentioned him earlier. You can tell this guy doesn't want to run anymore. That was his upside. That was, I said it, that was his upside. It was running. It was rushing yards. It was rushing touchdowns. You can tell because he's gotten injured each of the past two seasons and you can tell that he's scared to run now. He'll still scamper out of the pocket every once in a while, but he'll look to throw first. And if he doesn't, he'll get out of dodge as quickly as he can. He'll run out of bounds. He'll slide down. He won't try to go for those extra yards. And I don't blame him, right? Again, you get it. He just got paid. You're making a lot of money. You don't want to go crazy in one run and, you know, end your whole career on, on, on a stupid decision. So I understand the the reason for not wanting to run and, and to be more of a pocket passer uh, quarterback, but that, that, that equals less fantasy points. Okay. Now that's reason number one. Reason number two is DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for the first six games of the season. I think that we kind of are getting a little bit where we, nobody really thinks about that, but it happened and it's a thing. And, and so that's, that's a reality that that's going to set in. And I think that, I think it was, it was something like 30% of the throws were going to DeAndre Hopkins, at least in the last you know couple of years, they've been together in Arizona. And I think it was not having that option. They don't really have a great number two. And so as a result, I think we're going to see some drop off there uh, from Kyler's passing ability. The Cardinals just in general, I think are, they always start hot and then they suck at the end of the year and they can't perform in the playoffs. I only think that's going to continue this year too. So, you know, and they're in a tough division, right? I mean, you know, Jimmy G just got signed back to the 49ers. The Rams just won the Super Bowl last year. They got a tough schedule. So I think that you're going to see a lot of, you know, you see a lot of, I think, drop off from, from Kyler Murray this year. So I'm going to have him as my, as my bust on the quarterback side. I like it. I don't really like Kyler Murray either in fantasy. I, I agree that he just, there's been a trend of him looking like the league MVP through the first five or six games and then he just falls off a cliff the rest of the season whether he gets hurt or he just starts playing bad I don't know I mean he played 14 games last season so he he missed two games but right I mean he he's he's a good quarterback again he has that running upside and even if he's scared to run like he's still super fast and runs like a you know chicken with with its head cut off but I mean I think that yeah he's he's what like five foot ten maybe 180. I mean, he, I wouldn't want to run either. I mean, I'd, I'd be getting thrown around like a rag doll if I were him. So, and he, he does honestly, when he gets tackled. So um, yeah, I, I think that he has reason to be scared to run and that that should be a reason to 
low hit or that's the reason for him to be lower on your list going into this this fantasy season all right moving on to breakouts and sleepers my first one is well we're gonna go wide receiver running back then quarterback like we did last time or for the for the bus so my breakout this season is gonna be jerry judy now a lot of people if you've been looking super into fantasy a lot of people have been looking at these denver wide receivers Cortland sutton and jerry judy a lot of people have been saying, okay, Jerry Judy won't be getting as much production as Cortland Sutton because Russell Wilson likes to throw to the sideline because Russell Wilson isn't as tall as many as most other quarterbacks. He can't really see over the line that much. And therefore he doesn't pass over the middle that much. And the slot receiver is usually the one going towards the middle. He, you know, catches more passes over the middle, whatever. And Jerry Judy is a slot receiver. That's true. And I think that Russell Wilson, I think the league average for throwing across the middle is something like 40% of the time, 40% of passes are over the middle and between the hashes. But Russell Wilson, I think is like, he throws 25% of the time over the middle. So that's kind of just a little bit of a stat to kind of get your, get your uh, mental gears flowing about this, about this, uh, this breakout pick. But I don't, I mean, I don't really think that matters if we're, I mean, if we're being honest, you know, you know who the slot guy was in Seattle? Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett was super small and he was, you know, he was usually getting hit on either a wheel route that's super, you know, that's super deep or he was getting hit on those short little drag routes, right? Jerry Judy is a route artist. He's one of the best route runners in the league. I think he's probably top three behind Devontae Adams and maybe someone like Cooper Cup or maybe Justin Jefferson or something. I mean, I, th- I think he's a top three route runner in the league. He just hasn't gotten that recognition because, right, who has his quarterback been for the past couple of years? It's been Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. It's, you know, it's <laughs> it's not a very good uh, group of quarterbacks there. So I think we're going to see Jerry Judy have a better season than Cortland Sutton. I think people are projecting Cortland Sutton to be the wide receiver one in that offense. I don't see it happening. I think that the – slot receiver has more to do he has more options it's just a better option to go with the slot receiver especially with a guy that has such good route running like jerry judy i think we're gonna see him pop off this season and i like him as a breakout all right my receiver is gonna be gabe davis uh the riser for the bills he absolutely came on in the playoffs last year um he had monster numbers against the I forget who they oh, the Patriots, they blew up the Patriots. And then I think in the game against the Chiefs, the divisional round of playoffs, he had, I think, over 250 yards of receiving and he had four touchdowns, maybe three. Either way, he's he's awesome, right? And you have Stephon Diggs there who's going to get all the coverage and the number one cornerbacks are going to cover him. You, Gabe Davis is just a great option. Josh Allen has come out and said that he loves him. He's going to try to get him the ball as much as possible. He's very skilled. He's very finesse uh, type of receiver. And I think he's going to put up big numbers in probably the best offense in the league. So, I mean, why would you not take, and he's basically a number two wide receiver. I mean, you know, Cole Beasley left, right. They, they don't have like, you know, a star number two wide receiver, but I think Gabe Davis is going to become that star. And he's, if not, he's at least going to get a lot of catches and a lot of yards because he's in Josh Allen's offense. Yeah. I completely agree, agree with that. I got Gabriel Davis really late in one of my dra- in my first draft actually probably got him in like the one of the later I mean one of the rounds past round 10 so yeah I think I think he's going to be um I think he's going to be a great option there a running back that I think is going to break out he's again this is not very much of a sleeper because he's already proved himself as one of the better running backs in the league but it's Alvin Kamara Alvin Kamara last year was 
running back nine. He finished ninth in, to- in total fantasy points among running backs. New Orleans offense last year after Jameis Winston got hurt, it was just a mess. Alvin Kamara, um, there were questions of him being suspended this season. Those suspension talks have been postponed until at least next season. Um, and it was for what he did at the Pro Bowl. He like, I don't know, beat somebody up like right after the Pro Bowl or something like that at a nightclub. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm not, well, I'm laughing at what he did. And it's, it's not good, but I think it's pretty good that uh, that he's playing this year. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, with Alvin Kamara on this pick. I expect him to be a top four running back if he plays the whole season. Again, PPR, he gets a lot of catches. And I mean, he's, he's, he's been good when he's healthy, when he has a quarterback, a good quarterback that's thrown him the ball again, just no Drew Brees, but it's Jameis Winston. Hopefully Jameis Winston is, uh, I think he's a great quarterback, I think. And Matt will tell you more, more about him in this, uh, you know, coming up in a couple of minutes, but yeah, I think that this saints offense is, is going to come back strong. They've got Michael Thomas. So that'll bring, that'll bring some attention off of Alvin Kamara in the, in the passing game. I think that Alvin Kamara is going to be a great option this year. I don't even really know who their other backs are. I don't know if they have Latavius Murray anymore. Probably not. Cause I think he's probably pretty old at this point, but yeah, I mean, Alvin Kamara, he's also kind of getting on the older side, but I still like him to finish top four this year um, instead of running back nine last year. So there you go. Mine is JK Dobbins. I think everyone forgot about this guy because he's tore, he tore his ACL last year and he was out for the season. His rookie year, he had like a thousand yards in I think 10 games. Um, so there is a lot to like here with JK Dobbins. And, and again, the Ravens were just decimated with injuries last year. Uh, I think their top three running backs were all injured and out for the whole year. And they still, you know, compete in the AFC North. So uh, that'll be, a, that's a big foreshadowing to something that I'm going to say in a couple of podcasts that'll be coming up here. Anyway, I like JK Dobbins. He's a great running back. He's, he was great at Ohio state. He came to the Ravens. He came to the NFL. He was great for the Ravens in his first year. Right. And then he got hurt last year. It is a knee injury and we're talking about a running back. That is always, uh, you know, a concern to have. I get that. But for the amount of skill that this guy showed and the fact that he's like 24, right? I mean, he's still, he's, it's his third year in the league. He's very young. He's in an offense that's, that's suited to his skills too. I mean, you're talking about the Ravens are, are the, the best running offense in the entire league. You, you're, you're working off a of Lamar Jackson. What's a better quarterback to have, you know, as, as a dual threat, someone who's going to be commanding a lot of presence from the defense, J.K. Dobbins is going to be wide open. He's also a pass catching back. So in those times when Lamar Jackson scrambling around, doesn't know how, doesn't have too many people to throw to. And in general, Lamar Jackson has no receivers to throw to. I mean, can we do something about this? Please. Ravens organization needs to like Mark Andrews is their best receiver. He's a tight end. What are we yeah. doing? So anyway, I think J.K. Dobbins, he's going to he's gonna get PPR points. He's going to get rushing points. He's going to get a lot of rushing touchdowns. Um, he's going to have those opportunities to just go off in games that maybe they're, you know, they're crushing a team and they're up by a lot. They're going to give it to him for, for some garbage time yards as well. Uh, really looking forward to what J.K. Dobbins can do this year. It is a little bit of a commit running, running back by committee in Baltimore, but I think he got the majority of the work two years ago in his rookie season, you got like, you know, guys like Gus Edwards there. Yes. You know, he, he's a third down back. He could be getting some touchdown looks, but for the most part, I think they're going to put JK Dobbins out there because they spent a first round pick on him, right? They're going to want to at least get him the work and, and see that, you know, at least let him prove to everyone that he can actually do it right, and be that guy. So give me JK Dobbins as a running back. Who's going to break out this year. I think he's going to really show his stuff. And, and I don't think he'll be, you know, a top five running back at the end of the year, but, 
I, I think he has the potential to be top 10. And really that's what we're looking for, right? A guy who's not being drafted very highly, but has the potential of, you know, commanding that high draft pick, at least in future years. So I love JK Dobbins this year. Hayden, what do you got for a quarterback? All right. My breakout quarterback, I said it earlier. I hinted towards it earlier. It's going to be Derek Carr. And uh, I mean, what, what reason is there not to love Derek Carr this season? He's reunited with his best friend, and roommate and teammate in college at Fresno State, Devontae Adams. And, and he still got Darren Waller on that team. You still got Hunter Renfro. Um, you know, that backfield is a little bit questionable with Josh Jacobs. We still don't really – Josh Jacobs isn't really the best fantasy producer. But, yeah, that doesn't really matter. I mean, the, this offense is, is just loaded with great options. Now, I will say that just because I love Derek Carr doesn't mean that I love the individual parts on that offense. So, like, Devontae Adams – even though, you know, not just for the reason of leaving Aaron Rodgers, one of the, you know, one of the best QBs in the NFL, I also expect him to, to regress just because that offense is so crowded. There's so many good parts of that offense that, you know, Devontae Adams is going to be drawing a lot of the attention. You still got Darren Waller that, that that's going to attract a lot of targets. Hunter Renfro is the wide receiver three or kind of the, the pass target three on that offense right now. And I mean, he, you, you know, you've seen him, you've seen, videos of his route running he can route people up so right there's a lot of pieces to that offense I think Derek Carr is you know he's basically just working with a gold mine right now but the other pieces to that offense I do think are going to struggle a little bit on their own but I think Derek Carr just you know he has it all in front of him he just needs to go out and produce and I think that he's been waiting for an offense like this and this is really his time to shine I think he's going to go out and get it all right my pick, my quarterback, my breakout sleeper bust, or no, not bust, sleeper breakout quarterback is going to be Jameis Winston. I mean, it sounds like a meme at this point, like to be high on Jameis Winston. I get it. He he was in Tampa Bay and was pretty horrible. But again, he had so many different coaches. He had so many different offensive coordinators. The, the team was, was, was pretty bad. And then also on top of that, he was he was always volatile, right? I think he's the only quarterback in NFL history to throw for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in the same season. He did that. That's Jameis. That's the type of volatility that we're going to get with this guy. But with that comes the ability to score a heck of a ton of fantasy football points because he's going to throw the ball a lot, whether that be picks off, picked off or touchdowns or whatever it is, he's going to get the ball in the air and he's going to throw it to his receivers. They're going to catch the balls and talk about receivers. Michael Thomas. Okay. Who knows what this guy, he's always hurt. He may be back. I don't know. He's supposed to be back. Then he got a hamstring, whatever. Either way, if he plays, it's an, it's an advantage for that offense, right? Chris Olave, one of the best receivers in college football last year out of Ohio State. He's a rookie. They drafted him. He's there. You got, I guess I'm, I'm completely blank on the other guy's name. Um, Jarvis Landry. Yes, Jarvis Landry. They picked him up on the way around. That's not even the guy that I was thinking about. But he's a number – like, he's a he's a top receiver on any NFL team, and he might even be the third best receiver on this team. James Winston has a wealth of, of receivers to throw the ball to. I think he's going to do it all year. The Saints were actually 5-2 and two with him as the starter last year before he tore his ACL and was out for the season. And I think that's only going to continue. I think the Saints are going to be really good this year. And Jameis is going to lead them. I think he, he got his, he got his eye surgery. Remember that was a thing. Like he couldn't see where he was throwing the ball and he was one of the best. He was probably the, you know, well, he won the Heisman. He won a college football championship and he did this basically blind. Like, what are you talking about? He, he is now, he now can see his eyes have been opened and he's going to pass the ball all over the field this year. The Saints are a good organization. They're a solid team. They lost Sean Payton, but Dennis Allen was their defensive coordinator and he, and the defense was, was the, was, 
was the best part of this team uh, in the past years. And so that defense is going to remain solid and the offense is only going to get better because they're going to have the stability with Jameis Winston at quarterback. I love his upside. Again, he'll, he'll probably throw a lot of interceptions, but at the end of the day, like if, if you have a couple 400 yard passing games, a little bit more interceptions isn't, isn't that bad. And I do think that with all the weapons he has at receiver and the, you know, the amount that he's been able to mature while he's in the NFL, I do think he'll end up throwing less interceptions. And that means just more opportunities for catches, uh, more opportunities for yards and touchdowns for this offense. So I really like Jameis Winston to step it up. And I mean, you know, as much as it sounds like I'm joking, I'm really not. I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I actually got him in one of my drafts that I've had so far. And I got him as my second quarterback in the draft. But he's probably going to end up being my starter because my the first quarterback I drafted was Carson Wentz. I have no idea what drove me to draft Carson Wentz. Um, it was it was towards the end of the draft. Derek Carr had been picked literally the pick before me. And I was planning on getting Derek Carr and I was going to celebrate about it. But he got stolen from me the pick before I picked. And so I was like, all right, I'm left with Carson Wentz. And I forget who. There was another guy. Oh, yeah, it was it was Trevor Lawrence. And I was p- picking between those guys. I didn't even see Jameis Winston on this list. I don't know why he was ranked so far down. And so I was like, all right, Carson Wentz or Trevor Lawrence. And I just went to Car- Carson Wentz. I just I basically pulled a Carson Wentz in my fancy draft. You know, Carson Wentz, when yeah, he does that he's thing. He's not going to be your starter. What? I said, yeah, he's not going to be your starter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I, I pulled a Carson Wentz, you know, that thing where he kind of just runs around and pump fakes 100 times and then just throws an interception yeah that's exactly what i did i was waiting until the last three seconds to pick and i was like oh i don't know what i'm gonna do and so i just drafted carson wentz and uh yeah and then i ended up getting J- Jameis Winston with my very last pick my 16th pick and ever since i've been like that was meant to happen because i'm sold on Jameis winston for the season so there you go i'm glad that matt picked Jameis winston as as a um as a sleeper because now it confirms my i guess starting quarterback in that league Alrighty, well that concludes the fantasy episode. This honestly went over what we were expecting it to go. We were honestly expecting it to go under an hour, but we had a, a lot of good conversation regarding the strategies. Um, and there was a lot of, a lot of good things said bus and breakouts also went well. I think there was a lot of good analysis there, but I'd rather get more analysis and more time out than, um, than kind of, you know, try to make it an hour and, and leave some of that analysis out. So really good episode, really productive one that we had today. Like we said, uh, Saturday or maybe Sunday or Friday or somewhere in there, Saturday is pretty busy for me. So one of those weekend days, you're going to see a college football preview coming out pretty soon. And yeah, that's going to be our next episode. And then next week, our two episodes next week are going to be NFL win totals. One's going to be AFC. One episode is going to be NFC. And we're going to go super in depth with those episodes That'll be our four episodes to start off season three and to start to kick off the football season, both college football and NFL. So that's going to be really fun. Can't wait for, for uh, football season. It's just, it's the best time of the year. It's the easiest time of the year to do this podcast. We don't, don't really have to prepare much. We just come on here and we talk about what we know best and that's football. So yeah, super excited to get these episodes out to you guys. I'm sure Matt is too. And with that being said, we will see you guys Saturday.